Welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you Tuesday, February 16th. The Magic fresh off a four-game West Coast road swing and now a four-game homestand begins. It'll be Wednesday night at Amway Center. The New York Knicks in the house will see Golden State on Friday and then two games against the Detroit Pistons uh, as the Magic head into the All-Star break. Some roster news as well. Chasing Randall, the newest addition to this Magic roster, this banged-up Magic roster. Tough break. Uh, for Frank Mason, uh, given an opportunity, and he got hurt just like it seems like everybody else has uh, so far in this season with the Magic, a strained groin, and so uh, Frank let go yesterday, waived by this Magic team, and Jason Randall comes in, signed to a two-way contract. Uh, Randall undrafted in 2015. He has played in 78 uh, career NBA regular season games. He's played professionally overseas with Stanford uh, and a 38% three-point shooter for his career. So that'll certainly be a key as Jason Randall uh, gets adjusted. And look, he's probably going to play tomorrow night uh, on Wednesday and he'll probably play quite a lot. Michael Carter-Williams back, uh, thankfully, for this Magic team starting at the point guard spot. But, um, you know, MCW is a is a wing. He's a very versatile player. Um, and obviously he, he can play point guard and he can lead a team. But, he, but Steve Clifford likes to use him uh, in a lot of different ways, specifically defending um, wings when he has his druthers. So Chase and Randall will be a welcome addition uh, as a true point guard uh, with this Magic roster. Magic fans, the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. My guest for the program today, Drew Garabo, Magic super fan, uh, <laughs> former Magic employee. Uh, you hear him on 102.5 The Bone in Tampa uh, weekdays from 2 to 6, and you can follow him on Twitter. It is at Drew on the radio. He also was one of the first podcasters in Orlando Magic history, the Playoff Beards podcast. I don't remember, Drew, how long ago it was that we did that podcast. I do remember that Ryan Anderson was on with us for about 45 minutes. George Galanti, our PR guy, was not happy that we kept him for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, but it, it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad to catch up with you. And I want to talk to you about all things magic, all things Tampa radio, all things radio, period. How are you doing, Drew? Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Playoff Beers podcast because <laughs> I was worried you were going to leave that out on uh, my list of broadcasting accomplishments. And uh, <laughs> That's that at about, the top of the resume, isn't it? it? It definitely is. It was about 10 and a half, 11 years ago, I think we did that. And um, man, honestly, having been, I had been out of radio for about two years and that kind of stoked the fire for me a little bit and made me realize, man, I'm not, I don't think I'm done with broadcasting yet. So I want to thank you for uh, for helping me experience that camaraderie that kind of led my path back to radio. And, um, you know, I've been doing it in Tampa ever since I left the Magic in 2011. And uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I love it. Um, it's, okay, yeah. So it, it, it's been since 2011. And you've been there doing basically the same show the whole time? Take me through what the last 11 years have been like. Sure. I left the magic because I was offered a morning show host position on an alternative rock station, 97X. And about a year after doing that, um, the management told me that there was an FM talk station that was coming down the pike, very similar to a station that I had worked at in Orlando. And they asked if I'd be interested in doing a show. And I said, of course, that's my, my wheelhouse. Nothing against alternative rock DJs, but uh, it's kind of tough to wedge in opinionated talk when you're introducing Red Hot Chili Peppers and, you know, <laughs> Foo Fighter songs. Right. So, so um, 
I did both for a while. I, I hosted a morning show from 5.30 a.m. until 9.55 a.m., would walk down the hall and then do two hours of solo talk radio. And when I say solo, I mean it was just me in the room with a phone screener. And um, those were long days, but it was very rewarding and made me realize that I, I love talk radio. So then the morning show went away in 2013, and that's when I moved to afternoons, and I've been doing two to six uh, for about the last seven uh, years, afternoon drive time. And uh, man, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I was supposed to be doing all along. I love the perspective that you have. Um, because this business, Drew, I got, we, we've both been mm. kicked around by it, um, but we both love it so much and it's changed so much. And I want your perspective about how the pandemic has changed it. But the idea of, of radio being like your calling like it, when you talk about it, I can tell how passionate you are about it and how much you know that you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I feel like there are so many people who don't, who don't believe that about their career. Um, and there have been times when I was doing radio and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. You and I have talked about this. Um, how do you, how do you like refill your, your cup of faith? How, what, what is it that, that makes you go, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Do you have those moments week to week, year to year? And is it difficult to sometimes to, to keep the energy up? Because what you do is really difficult. Oh, man, that's a great question. Honestly, I have the benefit of having had a three-year unplanned hiatus from it. So there yeah, hasn't, that's you know, that'll give you some perspective and, and will really make you realize, look, I love my time with the magic, great organization. Uh, Alex Martin's down. Everybody was freaking great to work for, loved them, but it's hard work selling season tickets. And that's a real job. And I, I, you know, when you, when you have to hustle like that, you kind of realize not only does not everyone love their job, I think there are very few people who actually get to do something that they love doing and get paid for it. So since I've been back in 2011, man, I have not, there's not been one day when I haven't felt so lucky to do what I do. And the spoken word format uh, is so gratifying because you get to connect with people. And in this pandemic where people are yearning to feel that connection again. We can't really feel it in person. We can't really feel it at sporting events or concerts. So I, I've found that people are leaning on things like podcasts and spoken word formats on the radio, et cetera, more than ever before, because I think they're kind of hungry for that human connection that they can get uh, solely through entertainment now and not through these big communal experiences, you know? Have you, have you catered your show to that? Over the last year? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's tough because we're in such a divisive culture right now when mm. it comes to politics. And even when it comes to, to this pandemic, like what's real? What, what, what do these numbers mean? What do masks do, et cetera? And I think we've been programmed, unfortunately, to pick sides. And I've deliberately kind of rebelled against that, whether it's politics or, or the pandemic or whatever, I want to find the things that we have in common. And I want to find how we can talk about issues and opinions, et cetera, without, you know, without tearing each other's throats out. We've seen Jake to lose the ability to go, you feel differently about 
this than I do. And that's okay. We can talk about that. Instead, it's you're my enemy because you don't see this the same way I do. And we're never going to be on the same side because you're labeled this and I'm labeled that. That's not going to get us anywhere, man. Okay. But, but how do you do that? Like, do you, when you're planning out what you're discussing, do you, don't you say, Oh wait, this is going to take me down that road. And yeah. <laughs> and then you end up with nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're, you're right. Except you have to find, I've always said the, the challenge in what I do is not finding things to talk about. You'll always find things to talk about. It's finding the right way to talk about the biggest issues of the day. Mm. So, you know, when things start to get too chippy and people call me names and they do, I just, you know, politely say, I'm sorry you feel that way about me. I really am. I'm not what you think I am. And, and I'm going to let you go. But it's never going to stop me from trying to have these big, grandiose discussions that make us realize that we're united by more than we're divided by. Okay, this is a probing question. Oh, good. Do you, how much do you care what people think about you? Oh, that is a great question. I'd love to be cavalier about it, not in a Cleveland kind of way, and say, uh, oh, I don't care at all, but that'd be a lie. Um, I don't think any of us get into this business because we don't care what people think about us. Right. I care more about what people think about me who know me and who truly know me. If someone who I know and trust has a negative opinion about something about me, that's going to bother me. I'm well aware of the baggage that comes along with broadcasting in that there are going to be people who think a certain way about me no matter what I say. And that's fine. They can. I don't spend too much time thinking about that. I'm finally, after being in this business since 1994, uh, able to stop seeking out uh, feedback on the internet. I'll read it if someone tweets it to me, at Drew on the radio, uh, but I'm not going to seek it out. And if someone has something unkind to say, I'm not going to try to change their mind. I'll maybe give them one response back. And then if they continue down a negative road, you'll either get blocked or muted. I'm, I'm not there to kind of entertain this toxic environment. I'm there for my own enjoyment and uh, to connect with the people who want to connect with me. You know, See, that was great, though. You, I mean, you even threw it in there. At Drew on the radio and make sure you follow Drew on Twitter at Drew on the radio. Um, it's Always. from 1994. Like, I mean, you think you go back and you, you grew up in front of people you grew up in people's car speakers, you know, like, yeah. isn't it weird to think about? I mean, gosh, I've been doing it um, now since 2006 and, and it, I don't have to tell you radio has changed so much and the business of broadcasting and of show business or whatever it is we do has changed so much. And for you, which is basically like, hi, I like, I'm just going to talk at people for four hours a day. Um, it, I can't, I can't imagine the level, the level of, um, I guess, vulnerability that, that you put out there. And I, that's why one of the things I marvel at when, you know, reading your Facebook posts, which are personal and, um, but, you know, but, but geared towards your listeners. Um, and then, and then doing a show, like doing four hours of talk every day, is you have to be able to expose yourself, but then be comfortable exposing yourself. And it's, it's a really unique skill set. And doing a 30-minute pregame show or when <laughs> I was in Cleveland or Detroit um, and doing, you know, longer, but, but the sports talk format, like none of that is, is personal. Um, and yet still, like, I, I, I really admire the fact that you put yourself out there and then are comfortable with what it is you put out there. And I don't <laughs> think that's – I think it's pretty rare. I think it's really difficult to do. I wanted to ask you about – 
how you've seen the business change. Maybe not necessarily going back to 1994, but broadcasting during a pandemic. Um, you can't just be a radio host anymore, right? Like there's no. so many different, you have to wear all the hats um, and you have to be a master of all the media. Um, what's been a, a couple of the biggest changes and adaptations you found that you've had to make over the course of your career and then also over the course of the last year? Sure. That's a great question. Um, and good observations. The, um, the business itself continues to get smaller and smaller. These ownership companies that buy up radio stations have taken, I don't want to say they've exploited the pandemic, but they've definitely utilized the pandemic to have really gross reductions in workforce, just gut their industries and their, and their people. And, you know, with other radio stations, uh, companies, you'll have a guy who's broadcasting out of a studio in Tampa or in Orlando, but he's also the morning guy in St. Louis. And he's also the night guy in Buffalo because they just don't have the manpower and they can really run their radio station out of one centralized location with one person playing different hats. Um, to me, that really takes away from the local flavor of radio. I think radio is best when it is live and local and serves the community that supports it. Um, from my perspective, I've never lost that. If anything, it's only strengthened for me. And through the pandemic, um, myself and my, and my co-host, uh, John Senning, we've broadcast from the studio every show. Um, we've managed to dodge and duck this, this disease, this, this virus that pretty much has claimed all of our coworkers. They are, they've had to broadcast out of the studio. Um, we've stayed off their contact tracing. So we're in a building that used to be hustling and bustling with salespeople and promotions people and management. And now it's literally just us on air broadcasters and a few engineers. So you come to this building where nobody is broadcasting to people who probably aren't working in an office. So their listening habits change. Uh, they, you know, I'm doing afternoon drive, which our biggest hour used to be the five o'clock hour. Tampa traffic's no better than Orlando traffic. So oh, people yeah. are held hostage on 275. And, um, and now we've found that our listening is bigger in our earlier hours, like two and three. So you have to kind huh. of pivot a little bit, you know, you front load and, and you do your bigger topics. Then that's been the biggest change. So did you want to do that? I could see you. I could see you preferring to go in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I can't. Uh, it's I can't so hard, Drew. It is really that self motivation, like taking a shower and changing your clothes becomes secondary when you wake up and you just start working and you're working in front of the television and then it's like, oh, I'm gonna take a break and walk the dog. Oh, I'm gonna take a break and eat lunch. And then all of a sudden it's three o'clock and you're still wearing sweatpants. Like, yeah, I know, it's, it's something like I, I've gotten better at it, but it's, it's a big adjustment. I don't, and I think for some people it's probably been, especially for what you do, dude, like I can imagine trying to do what you do from home as being very, very difficult. Yeah. And, and I've got coworkers who've been doing it from home for over a year and, and they seem to enjoy it. And, they, and, and I guess there are different people with different skill sets or people who say that they don't want to come back in the building for me, man, I, I, I love going into the building. I love having that studio. It just, maybe it's because I'm so old and old school, but it just feels like radio to me to do that. And anything else uh, wouldn't, it would just feel kind of like make believe a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Have you, have you been to sporting events? I know you go to Bolts games, um, Buccaneers games. 
I, okay, so your timing's very fortuitous. I did not get to any Bucks games this season. Um, I probably would have gone to the Super Bowl if the opportunity had presented itself, but it did not, and I wasn't about to pay like $5,000 for a ticket if I'm lucky. Um, I did last night actually uh, go to the first Bolts game that I've been to in about a year. Mm. They had a friends and family night as they're starting to work towards uh, getting fans back in the building in March. So there were literally fewer than 200 people there last night. Um, it's a weird environment, man. I don't know. I know I don't have to tell you, but um, they pipe in crowd noise, which is super weird. Uh, you, you just look around. There's no one in the stands. It was, uh, it was cool to see live sports again, but it's also that stark and constant reminder that times have changed and, and these times we're in are far from normal, you know? Yeah. And, and I know you're like a, you're a concert guy. Like, I, like, what does it do for, cause I know you like your show is, is it's not, you're not setting up red hot chili peppers, right? Like you're, it's, mm-hmm. you know, but still it's music radio. It's, it's a talk format, but you're still in that business because in my yeah. head, it's either sports or not sports. basically. <laughs> um, but, but like, I mean, when you go through promotions and, and, uh, non-traditional revenue and all of the things that we know about the business that's that's non-sports radio you're talking about parties and black parties and concerts and like everything is sort of geared around these live events and for a year now basically um you guys have not been able to do that and we've been sort of dancing around it and um you know we're, we're one of the teams that um started with fans in the stands and we've gone through like insane leaps and bounds in order to make that a reality um, but I just, I, I feel like the, you know, the entire radio industry, whether or not it's music or talk or, um, or, or sports, it, it's always geared around events. And we've all been sort of trying to make do without going on a year now. Like how, how has that affected yeah. you in, and I'm not specifically you, just your, uh, your station, your cluster period. Yeah, no, it's a, it's had a profound effect on me personally, professionally, and our cluster because, like you said, you know, the salespeople make a ton of money off appearances. We made a ton of money off appearances, and you get to connect in person with the people who are consuming your product. Right. So, from all of that, it's been very frustrating, sad. Our company errs on the side of protecting us, which I I greatly appreciate and I greatly respect, but. You know, we've we've had a few plans shot down of being out somewhere where very few people could get to us. Like for the let's take the uh, the Buccaneers uh, boat parade for the Super Bowl as a perfect example. We had a spot at a restaurant where we felt like nobody could get to us. We were going to do a broadcast where we could see the boat parade, but we got shot down because our company won't sign off on us doing anything out where people could possibly get to us. We couldn't do our toy drive this year, which above and beyond personal appearances, I, I really wanted to be on site. We're at the same Walmart every year collecting toys for toys for tots. And this year we had to do it virtually. We still got a bunch of bikes, which is great, but you lose that in person, seeing the people who are buying toys for toys for tots, seeing the families that benefit from it. So there's a cost there, not just financially, but emotionally as well. And you just can't wait for things to come back to normal whenever they do and uh it's been rather empty 
sad and frustrating without all of that, you know? I, I can picture you saying, wake up, sheeple. To <laughs> <laughs> I try not to use that word. <laughs> okay, good. That's probably good. Oh, man. Um, all right, what do you think about this Magic team? It's been a tough year. The injuries have mounted. Yeah. Um, they got some, you, you've got some young talent there. It's just they're not on the floor right now because they're all hurt. Um, have, you, have you been watching from afar? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it feels weird for me not to catch every Magic game because I used to, man, like the first 10, 15 years of the, of the freaking inception of the franchise, I, I, didn't, I don't think I missed but a handful of games. Now I like what I see, but like you said, decimated by injuries. I love, love, love Coach Clifford. Um, I, I liked him when I worked there. He was always super nice to everybody, and I think he kind of is underneath that Stan Van Gundy tree a little bit which is great. Um, Vooch, I think, is, is going to be one of my all-time favorite Magic players. Um, there's a – seeing the, the chance that they took on Markel Fultz was incredible, and to see him kind of shed that early reputation that he had and maybe rebuild his shot has been awesome. Aaron Gordon uh, is, is a dynamic personality, and I love some of the young guys I wish – uh, I wish Isaac and, and Bamba could stay healthy and we could really see what this team is capable of with all parts functioning. But, I, you know, as we know, that's the NBA, Jake. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's been tricky uh, so far this year. Vucevic, I, I, I can imagine, like, you'd be um, you'd be partial to his very dry wit. Have you ever caught him? Like, like yeah. he'll 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 slide something in there, and you're like, wait a second, what what? Uh, he's, he's sharp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and playing wise, I love watching him and he's like an amalgamation of some of my favorite magic players oh, and personalities, like a Darko Milicic meets a Gordon Giracek. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I love thinking about some of the more obscure magic players. Are you, sure, are you just naming the European, European <laughs> magic players? Goran Giracek had a hell of a year. He, I think he finished like fifth in rookie of the year voting or something like that after his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. It, it, listen, it's fun to think about some of the more obscure guys that uh, <laughs> Reese Gaines that never quite got the uh, the run that they deserve. That was actually like on my list. That was going to be one of my questions for you towards the end. It was like, hey, just let's just start naming <laughs> random Magic players from the past. Because <laughs> you were, when you were, before you had your forced hiatus and by the way like that was that's so interesting to me is that like the fact that you had it taken away from you like re <sighs> refilled the perspective um i love listening to you talk about that but you i mean you were like you were locked in before you before you came to the magic um i just you were like courtside all the time weren't you yeah i um yeah, I, I would come to games. Chris Dorsa would uh, would get me some seats, and then when uh, John Weisbrod uh, was there, he uh, he lived in my parents' neighborhood, and he'd give me his tickets every once in a while. Back when courtside seats were like a folding table, right. uh, but um, yeah, I, I loved coming to games, man. It was uh, it was really something that that I got a lot of joy out of. Back to the old arena, and um, you know, it was a no brainer for me once radio went away for a little bit. I sat down with Chris Dorso, who thankfully is still with the team, has been there since he is, right? Like they yes, haven't gotten yes. into oh thank God. <laughs> yes. Uh and um, you know, he I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to work for the magic. And he said, Well, I don't have anything in broadcasting. I'm like, that's fine. 
And he said, what do you think about ticket sales? I'm like, well, well, like the guy who sits in the window and like, like, you know, like a David Turner, <laughs> shout out to DT if he's still there. Uh, and, and he said, no, you yes. would, you would let, he is David Turner is still there. Yes. Oh, please send him my love uh, that. What a great, great character he was. So, you know, to be able to sit in a cubicle and to have a bow outlaw walk up and down and like, everybody's selling today. What's everybody doing? Or like, I'll never forget when I, when I was interviewing for a promotion um, from ticket sales rep to season ticket account executive, I'm in there and they're about to tell me whether or not I got the position and there's a knock on the door and it's a young and goofy Dwight Howard just walked right in and said, what's going on in here? And thought, you know, that stuff for an old school magic fan, uh, me, you know, that, that hit me in all the great places. Wasn't it, and this will be the last thing. I, I don't know if you can, if you know, because it's changed so much, but that was, it feels like that was just a different time. Like, and I'm not talking about the players specifically that the magic have now I'm talking about players in general. Um, everything was smaller than everybody was, I don't know, less self-important, I guess. And I, I don't know. Like, I, to me, the innocence died. And maybe this is just my personal experience. To me, the innocence died when Dwight grew up and forced his way out. And then all of a sudden, it was like this stark reminder of how much of a business all of this is. And I don't know. Maybe it was like when we were at RDV or whatever. It just felt like it was so much more fun back then. And again, this is – I left. I went and worked for the Pistons. And it's the same way everywhere. Like, everywhere you go – um, it's just, everybody just takes it so seriously. And when I was when, back in those days, when Martian Gortat is doing Dante and Galante episodes and, and, you know, he's hopping on the, the headset and trying to sell tickets, um, everything just felt, it felt more, it felt smaller and it was more fun back then. And I don't think, I think we've all lost that. Um, and I think, and again, it's not magic specific. I think it's, it's just the nature of, of what we're all doing, I guess. There's a paradigm shift, and and you're right. We got to see it with the magic, where the guys were just guys. You you do a meet the magic, and you'd be joking with JJ Redick about the fact that he he's fascinated just like you and I are about people saying magics instead of magic, and uh, and you could, you could talk to guys like him and Ryan Anderson and Adonal Foyle, and you know they they didn't feel the need to put up this barrier between them and anybody else, and I think Dwight Howard pretty much is the embodiment of, of that paradigm shift because when he pushed his way out of Orlando and became nothing against Dwight, but he, he was getting advice from bad people uh, or the wrong people and became, I think, something that he never thought he would become. Yeah. And I think the entire NBA athlete uh, to, to almost a person seems to have done that. I mean, JJ is still JJ and that's a beautiful thing. His podcast is amazing. The old man in the three is spectacular. Great guests. He's got a great voice, but for every JJ Reddick, uh, you've got 50 guys who are concerned about just getting theirs and that's it. Nothing against James Harden. He's a great scorer, but I, I pin, if I had to pinpoint one athlete to show what's wrong with the NBA today, uh, it's that guy right there. I, 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 you know, nothing against Brooklyn. I love Kevin Durant, but my disdain for James Harden far outweighs my love for KD. And I can't wait to see that experiment blow up. All right. Uh, last, last question. If, if Harden is the embodiment of what you do not like about the league, who would be the embodiment of what you do like about the league? Oh, I'd, I'd have to reiterate JJ Redick. I think the guy had a rough go of it 
as in his rookie season, fighting for minutes with Stan Van Gundy, worked on himself, worked on his game, is the consummate professional and really gets basketball, is in it because he loves doing it, is also able to carry that to some business interests. But I think he's the kind of guy who you want on your team. He's, he's the glue. And, and what a solid veteran he's turned into, man. One of my all-time favorite NBA players and NBA personalities. One of the very few in the game that you feel like, man, this dude really gets it. I know, but okay, like he's he does my job better than I do it. So that's not <laughs> fair. Like I can't I can't just slide in and be the sixth man on the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, <laughs> I think you can actually, Jake. I don't I don't, don't sell yourself short. Leave some shine for us, JJ. Uh, Drew, I could do it. I could do this for three hours. Like this has been a blast. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I appreciate all the advice and everything you've done for me personally. Uh, in my career and and for people for broadcasters for um for the city of Tampa the city of Orlando like you your Twitter profile says you strive to make a difference in your community and I think you do um both locally and uh and virtually and on Facebook and um you're just a good dude and I really appreciate everything yeah, man, I'm proud of you, dude. It's, uh, I, you know, to watch your career path uh, has been immensely gratifying for me because you're a guy who's got a voice and an important voice to share with people. And I don't think radio is for everyone. It's for definitely a special blend of people. But at the same time, everyone out there, I think, has something that they can do very passionately that they could convey that into a career. With me, it's radio, but with someone listening right now, it's something else. My mom told me a long time ago, do what you love and the money will follow. And, and I can't preach that enough, man. Life is way too short to be stuck in some dead end position doing something you don't love doing. Find the things that set your soul on fire and then do them until they're done. Drew Grabo, at Drew on the radio. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Make sure you tweet all of, uh, all of your negative feedback to him because he, sure. he does not let it bother him whatsoever. <laughs> Just like yeah, just like all of us, we're all just standing in front of um, in front of the internet uh, and in front of planet Earth, saying, "Please, please love me." True. Uh, <laughs> thanks, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Jake. All right, there he is, Drew Grabo. Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. We're back next week with another edition. Uh, until then, stay safe, everybody.